Good morning, everyone. Uh, because we have our kids with us today, we're gonna, I'm doing something uh, that none of you will know unless you have kids. I'm going to be speaking about 30 different code words during my sermon, and they're going to have to have a little bingo action going on. So every, all the little blue things that are marked in my sermon are, are words that they have to check off on their sheet. So parents, you might have to help because sometimes I come pretty fast and furious in my message. Just a word of information, uh, sadly, uh, both Lena Sawchuk and Holly Merton uh, passed away in the recent weeks, and there will be um, memorial services, celebrations of life for them. I believe both of them are happening on Saturday afternoon, uh, this coming week on the 6th of January. So we'll get you more information this week on that, but keep their families uh, in your prayers as well as they grieve. and. Um, and plan to attend if you can. You'll have to choose. Uh, and I don't know if they're being live streamed, but I think maybe they could be. So we'll give you more information along the way. I wouldn't mind praying if that's okay as we begin this last service uh, and message of this year. Father God, you have been good. We look over the past year and we recount the blessings in the midst of all of the challenges. We recount your presence when we've struggled. And uh, we've seen your hand of grace and mercy when we didn't deserve it in the past year. And uh, in the midst of the turmoil that goes on in the news and around the world, on our social media news sites, there's just uh, an unsettledness in our world today. And in the midst of it all, we know you are present and that you are still in control. You are sovereign over all. You are almighty. And we trust in you, not in what we see, but in what we know of you. Guide us to your presence today as we study your word, as we look to some important principles of the Christian life. And may we end this year recognizing your authority over us, your presence with us, your goodness to us, anticipating an amazing 2024 around the corner. It's my prayer in Christ's name, amen. Last year, 64-year-old Peggy Jones was mowing her lawn in rural Texas. Any of you been to Texas? I had three years of school in Texas. And that's all I'll say about Texas. <laughs> if you can't say anything nice, <clears throat> I have some good friends and actually family that live in Texas. But she was, she was mowing her lawn when suddenly a snake falls from the sky onto her shoulder and wraps itself around her arm. She's like, what's going? She starts to sh- shake the snake off of her arm and it just grips tighter and it starts striking her in her glasses. And she's trying to get this off. Every time she shakes it, it strikes and shakes and strikes her glasses. And all of a sudden, a hawk flies down and grabs onto the snake. The talons dig in deep and the hawk is trying to pull the snake off and pulling her arm up. She's going, what's going on? And eventually the hawk yanks the snake off and flies off. I guess it had dropped it. 
Now, as it was trying to eat the snake, landed on her, she was uh, shaken. <laughs> she was bruised and scratched and cut and traumatized, and her glasses were ruined. And so <laughs> she reports having trouble sleeping at night for some reason, <laughs> reliving the surprise snake attack in her dreams. And maybe you would not be as surprised by a rattlesnake dropping from the sky into your shoulders, but I would be. I'm not a snake handler. I've been encountered big pythons when I was in Australia one time. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't do snakes. I'm not known as a python handler, but a life without surprises is a boring life. Many people prefer a boring life. Others can hardly wait for something new to happen to break up the monotony of their routines. And whether we like it or not, there's always going to be some kind of surprise just around the corner. Chapter 5 of John's Gospel, there's a story of a man that Jesus healed. He was lame. I think the Bible tells us it's 38 years that he had been lame. He'd been living outside by a pool of Siloam, suffering Wondering why God had given him this affliction. 38 years of not having the life that everyone else gets to have. 38 years of not having a good job, of not having a family, not having a future. But a surprise was around the corner. Jesus, on the other hand, lived a life always in sync with what his father was doing. He got to have a little surprise, too, I think, on this day. Let's read the account of the lame man in John chapter 5, beginning at verse 5. Beside the pool, bing, bing, <clears throat> was a man who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw the man and realized that he had been crippled for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be healed? The man says, I... I don't have anyone to put me in the pool. And when the water is stirred up, I try to get in, but always someone else gets in in front of me. And Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. Right then, the man was healed. He picked up his mat. He started walking around. The day in which this happened was a Sabbath. Ding, ding. <clears throat> When the Jewish leaders saw the man carrying his mat, they said to him, this is the Sabbath. No one is allowed to carry a mat on the Sabbath. But he replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. And they asked him, who is this man that told you to pick up your mat and walk? But he didn't know who Jesus was, and Jesus had left because of the crowd. Later, Jesus met the man in the temple, and he says, you're now well, but don't sin anymore, or something worse might happen to you. The man left and told the leaders that Jesus was the one who had healed him. And they started making a lot of trouble for Jesus because he did these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus says, my father has never stopped working. And that is why I keep on working. Now the leaders wanted to kill Jesus for two reasons. First, he had broken the law of the Sabbath. But even worse, he had said that God was his father, which made him equal with God. Jesus told the people, I tell you for certain that the Son cannot do anything of his own, for he can only do what he sees the Father doing, and he does exactly 
what he sees the father do. For the lame man, ding, ding, the surprise of an encounter with the Son of God changed his life forever. Took away all the barriers to him having a fulfilling life. Now he could work. Now he would not have to depend on others to survive. Now he knew that God had heard his prayers for three decades and that God cared about him. God sent, actually, I, I don't use this word often, but the penultimate gift of his son. Can you imagine the creator of the universe sending his Messiah, the promised son, to, to you specifically? There were other people that were lame around the pool. Today he got his prayers answered. He got the surprise of his life. The son of God came to him personally to heal him. The religious leaders could only think about religious rules that had been broken. Did you notice their response to the man when they asked him why he was breaking the Sabbath rules by carrying his mat? The man says, the man who, told, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat. And they said, who is this man who told you to pick up your mat? Now, I'm kind of thinking if someone said, you know, I've been sick for 38 years, don't you? You realize, like, I've been laying there on that mat for three decades while you've been partying and having a life in 38 years. I'm wondering why God doesn't care. And now I'm walking and I'm carrying my dumb mat because I'm going home. I'm not coming back to this place. They didn't say, You've been healed? Wow, like that's amazing. Who is this guy? I want to meet him. They didn't, they didn't say, this is amazing because only God can heal. So God must have visited you in this place. This place must be holy. No, they wanted to know who told him to break the rules. Seriously. They cared more about the rules than they cared about the person who was healed. They were blind to God's activity that morning. Jesus was completely in tune with what God wanted to do that day. Jesus said, no, I said, not Jesus. This is not holy, it's just Tom. (laughs) Some people are blind to God's activity all around them. They never see God at work. They're not in tune to the spiritual activity going around. They just go day to day about their business, doing their thing, and totally oblivious to God's work around them. It's like they don't have a spiritual antenna, or it's in their back pocket, or it's not plugged in, or the batteries are dead, but they're not understanding that God is at work always all around them. They became angry with Jesus, began seeking ways to kill him, For two reasons, it says, first, because he had broken the law, bing, bing, of the Sabbath, but even worse, he said that God was his father, which made him equal with God. They were so blind to the truth, they had their minds so closed to the reality of who Jesus was, they wanted to kill the Son of God. Let's talk about this Sabbath for just a minute. As I was looking uh, through this passage, I started to understand a little bit more. The Sabbath was established by God 
Uh, way, way back in Genesis, after he had created everything, six days he said he created all. For two, um, sorry, <clears throat> the Sabbath was established by God, first of all, to give people rest from their work and time to recuperate, time with their family, and second, to have time to honor him, to worship him, to demonstrate gratitude to him for all of his blessings. The religious leaders actually turned the Sabbath into a burden on the people who had to follow so many rules rather than a blessing to them, giving them rest. They were afraid of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is coming quick. Get all the work done before the Sabbath happens or else we'll get in trouble. We'll break a rule. We'll, we'll get noticed. We'll be shamed. Sabbath became a burden, whereas God intended it to be a blessing. A time of rest, a time of worshiping Him. God wanted the Sabbath to be used to have a relationship with Him. So you don't forget, He gave you the work. He, he, he provides for you. He, he cares for you. He's doing everything else around you all the time. Take a day just to honor Him. Get to know Him. Thank Him. Bless Him. See, God was working on the Sabbath too. He healed the guy. He, he told him to take up the mat and, and go home. He was working in the life of the lame man. Jesus recognized that and he healed him. You don't need to stay here anymore. Get your stuff and go home. The religious leaders loved the Sabbath. Jesus loved the man. Jesus loved the father who was answering prayers that day in the life of the lame man. Jesus, I think he had a, I think he got a kick out of being an answer to prayer all the time. He gets to walk up to people and give their lives back to them. The leper who was outcast, the lame man who didn't have a job, the blind person who depended on everyone else to lead him around, the poor, the neglected. He got to feed 5,000 people one day. We had like four Christmas parties at our house. I think we're broke now from the turkeys and the hams and the potatoes and all the fixings and the pies. He got to feed 5,000 people just for fun. Think about the Almighty God directing the Son of God to that person. The answer is prayer. Jesus said in John 5, 17, my father has never stopped working. And that's why I keep on working, Jesus says. What does that say about the Sabbath? God took six days to finish creation, then on the seventh, it says uh, in the Bible, bing, <coughs> tell us, uh, the Bible tells us that he rested from his work. So first of all, I don't think that God's work is kind of comparable to what we consider work. Um, when we consider work, we got put in an 8 to 12 hour day. We come home sometimes sweaty and bothered and tired and need a, a nice tea in the middle and have a stop for lunch and, and we, we come home exhausted. That's not God's work. He's not putting in his 8 or 10, 12 hour day and then on Sunday going, you know guys, you can stop praying. I'm off today. I don't do prayers on Sabbath because I'm resting. It says he rested from his work of creation. 
But then he began his work of salvation from that point on. He stopped creating and he started saving and he's never stopped saving people. His salvation is what he continually does every Sunday, every Sabbath, every day of the week. Not yet. <laughs> Jesus said, or God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be fishes. Let there be animals. There was fishes and there was animals. God spoke. That's his work. He spoke things into existence. He wasn't sweating. Didn't have to change his clothes at the end of the day. Get dressed into something nice. God speaks. That's his work. He creates through even talking. We have to do a little bit more. I'd love to say, let there be a seven-page, single-space sermon with great illustrations and good points. <laughs> Poof. There, you know. Love to just speak things into existence, but that's not our work. That's his work, to speak things into existence. Once he finished his work of creation, he started the hard work of the salvation. He doesn't rest from doing that because it's Sunday. He, he, he doesn't stop healing people or caring for people or providing for people because it's a Sunday. In fact, I think Sundays are perfect days to encounter God. I think Sundays are the perfect day to, to sense God's presence, to have healing, to have forgiveness, to have reconciliation with him. I'd love to have the front row of our church filled at the end of every service with people asking for prayer, for God to do a miracle, for God to heal them, for God to save them, for God to bring peace into the troubled life. That would be, God would just be doing amazing things on a day like this. It's, 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 it's uh, exciting for us. So, back to surprises. I'm not saying that Jesus was particularly surprised by the woman he met at the well, or that he was surprised by the man he found up in a sycamore tree, or a possessed man that he confronted running through the tombs in a seminary. He wasn't surprised by God when he realized he needed to raise Lazarus from the dead that day or to feed the 5,000 people with only a boy's lunch. But I do expect that Jesus was eagerly anticipating every single day to be a part of finding out where his father was at work and becoming a part of answering people's prayers. For us, it's a different story. Now, we, we may be praying in a particular direction and then God shows up. Something so different than what we were praying. He surprises us with what he wants to do in our prayers or how he wants to change somebody's life. We get caught off guard. We get surprised sometimes by God's uh, wanting to apply grace and love in the lives of those around us. That's why we have to be less rules-oriented and more people-oriented, less selfish with blinders on and more focused on opportunities that God puts in our pathway it may seem random to us as a snake falling from the sky when God begins to work, but what he does is a part of his activity and part of his kingdom activity. We get to join him. We get to be surprised. I say expect, in 2024, expect God to surprise you with what he wants to do around you and through you. You've maybe never come across a woman at a well or a man up in a tree or a distraught person looking for a way forward or a desperate person seeking comfort and peace. If you haven't, 
You've got blinders on. They're everywhere. People are seeking God all the time because he's at work in their life. He's drawing people to himself with his loving kindness. The benevolent funds that we distribute this past weeks in particular at various times throughout the year or it's our way of participating in God's activity. People are praying at home, God, I don't know if I'm going to make it this month. I, which bill do I not pay? Can I do the mortgage and Christmas? And we, we sense God directing us to apply our funds to different people's lives and take checks to people or grocery cards or whatever it is. We get to be a part of God's answering their prayer. We were surprised at the opportunity to partner with Westwood Alliance Church to begin a Cantonese ministry. We were surprised when they donated $100,000 back to us to help fix the roof repair. Like, who does that? God. We were surprised to have a chance to become the emergency shelter for the homeless last winter. All of a sudden, we get a call. Can you help us? We've got nowhere else to send these people. I'm going, yes, we will adjust. We will make this work. We were surprised to be able to explore beginning a deaf ministry just in the past few months. We're still looking at God, what are you up to? It wasn't on my bucket list. It wasn't on my five-year plan. God looks at my five-year plan and goes, yeah, nice try. He says, I've got this. Let me show you what I want to do. Let me show you what I've got in mind to accomplish through um, Maple Ridge Alliance Church in this coming year. There's some incredible things that are going to surprise us. We were surprised each time a new family walks through the door of our church and says they'd like to become a part of our fellowship. I can tell you we have dozens and dozens of people this past year who said, came to your church, felt so welcome. This is such a friendly church. We'd love to join. How do we become a member? I'm going, well, like this, hold on. <laughs> Too many people. Uh, no, we say God is at work all around us. God is bringing people here. He is giving us a chance to be good stewards of, of what we have, to share with others, to encourage them, to pray with them, to walk with them, to help them, however we can. Our Father is always at work around us, and we know that. So we really should never be surprised. We should be grateful that he shows us what he's up to and that he asks us to join him in what he's doing. Grateful for God bringing Pastor Steve to us. What a blessing. Grateful that God brought us Kaylee to lead our children's ministry. It's like, who does her kind of things? Like, sermon bingo? Okay. If you get bingo, shh, don't say anything. This is spiritual. It's holy. <laughs> Grateful to the elders and the ministry leaders we have in place. Grateful for Kyle, his teams. I'm grateful every day I walk into this church and I see people diligently serving God how God has called them to serve. That's such a blessing and encouragement. God has never stopped working to this day. Jesus said in, in verse 17, my father has never stopped working and that is why I keep on working. I tell you for certain that the son can do, cannot do anything of his own. He can only do what he sees the father doing, and he does exactly what he sees the father do. So if the son 
watched for what the Father was doing and joins his Father's activity, then we should also be praying for God to open our eyes to what he is doing. And so the, we have a week of prayer and fasting coming up next week, starting next Sunday. We're going to provide everyone with a, a prayer guide uh, that's already printed, ready to be handed out. Next Sunday, we'll have them out. Just take one home. Not meant to replace your own personal devotional time, but it's meant to help you focus in your prayer time the whole week. Fasting? Yeah, okay, I need to go fasting. <laughs> but it's like a reset. Starting the year on our knees. Starting the year trying to focus on what God wants us to focus on. Starting the year looking forward to the surprises God has and anticipating God's got some amazing things for this church. So what is God actively doing in the people in your home? You just have to assume that God is working in the lives of your kids, your spouse, your, your relatives. You have to assume because it says he's never stopped working. Is anyone wanting to follow Christ? Is anyone talking about baptism? Want to go, to go on a mission trip? That's what God is doing in their life. Wanting them to be involved in his kingdom activities. Is anyone being called to prepare for a full-time Christian vocation? It's not an easy life. But he calls people to do certain things, to, to serve him in certain ways. 1 Corinthians 12 says, There are different ways to serve the same Lord, and we can do, each do different things, yet the same God works in all of us and helps us in everything we do. God is at work in us, helping us to accomplish what he has set up for us to do. What about your neighbors? What's God doing in the lives of your neighbors? You're going, you don't know my neighbors. I'm going, no, but God does. God knows your neighbors. Would they come to a Bible study in your home? Would they let you pray for their loved ones in need? What about your workplace? Could you start a noon hour Bible study at your workplace? Could you help encourage someone with a failing marriage or a wayward children? Could you be the answer to the people's prayers? Sometimes they don't even know that they need to pray because they've never encountered God before. They don't, they don't know that God cares about them and loves them and wants to be involved in their life. If you believe what Jesus is saying, you will understand God has never actually stopped working, drawing people to himself into a relationship with him. And we can be a part of making that happen if we open our eyes to the opportunities all around us. Ephesians 3, 7 says, God treated me with kindness, Paul is saying. His power worked in me and it became my job to spread the good news. Paul is saying, God is even, at, once you're saved, he's not done, he's just getting started in your life. God is at work in Paul, helping him to accomplish what his assignment is. Romans 8.28 also says, We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. I'm going to call the worship team up at this time. Hopefully you will not get to experience the surprise of a snake dropping from the sky, unless you live in Texas. But you might be surprised by a family member who asks you a question about God for the first time. You might be surprised by a coworker who suggests maybe you could pray with them about a situation that they're facing because they know you're a Christian. Or who asks you to pray for his family member who is ill and might not make it very much longer. 
You might be surprised by how God supplies your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Or you might be surprised how calm you are when normally you're, 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 you're frazzled out of your mind because you, this time you prayed for God's presence and he showed up. Because God never stops working. Let me pray. Father, open our eyes. May we not be surprised at what you're doing, but anticipate that you are about to do something, that you are working things all together for our good, for the good of this church, for the good of the members in this church, for the good of our community as we surrender to you, as we seek you, as we serve you, how you have designed us to serve you. May we see people, Father, on this front row confessing you for the first time as their Lord and Savior, coming into your kingdom, becoming a child of God. May we see people healed. May we see people get jobs. May we see people serving you in ways that we never even thought possible. Thank you, God, for your surprises. May we, may we get them regularly because we know you have never stopped working and we want to be a part of what you're doing. It's my prayer in Christ's name. Amen.